If I had hair on my chest and belly, how would you attach these? We'd shave the hair off first. How long does it take for the hair to grow back? I don't know. About a month, I suppose. Your son told me that you've got lots of hair under your arms, three times more than I do, and that you've got a very hairy back and a very hairy belly. I probably do have a little more hair than you do because I'm older than you. But soon you'll have more hair too. It's all down to hormones. Can you show me, please? Can you take off your shirt and show me, please? Please. Okay, you do have more hair than I do, but not three times more. Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 140. Whoa. And my name is Scott. My name's Jared. My name is Michael. Nice. Welcome oh. to the this show. Is this is a good one, right? Vertical Viewing Podcast. Guys, are you ready? This, oh. this is the Blade Runner review. Oh. Is that what we were reviewing? Yeah, Blade Runner's here. Like the final cut? Uh, well, I mean, we can do the work prints, whatever you want. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching before our featured review of Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049. Been waiting for this one. Some of us have been waiting for this one. The hype on this one was high got to levels th- that were very hard for me to handle i even a, heard someone say as that a 30 this year is, old man this is better than the original was what one critic said in some respects sure i, I don't want to get into what i think about that yet but then why did you bring it up <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I have a few vertical slices we can take there's a lot of critical reviews i think this is going to be a good time to go back into our uh, vertical slice segment get back to our roots there's yeah. some goodies but you can subscribe to all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, whatever sort of things that are on the internet. Yeah, however Real you radio. get your podcasts. Uh, you can visit our website. It's verticalviewing.com. When you're there. What happens? Click the button. There's please. internet pie that goes in your ear, which, right? Which, which button? I think there's a few buttons on there. Well, we have a donate button, and yeah. we hope that, oh, that you makes sense. can yeah. help us out to there's do a, what we do. There's a blog perhaps coming soon. We're going to start writing articles. Is that think, short for weblog? Yeah, it is. Mm. I think uh, I think you should keep your eye on verticalviewing.com. But if you want to have a one-night stand with the podcast and help us offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show, sticking internet pie in your ear, then click that donate button and uh, you can throw us a couple of bucks. But if you want to have a long-term relationship with the podcast, then what do you do? You can surf the internet. Oh, no. Over to oh. www.patreon.com slash Patreon. Sorry. Period com. Patreon. Period com. Patreon. Slash vertical viewing. That's it. Hydrogen, helium, or lithium level subscriptions are One, available. One, two, or three dollars. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, those will allow you to get access to all of our Jake Gyllenhaal love letter reviews. Uh, we got reviews of Dune. Lots of hilarious review. special content. Reviews of Clockwork Orange. Uh, we also got Chappie on there. There's fun shit. Basically, anything that the patrons suggest becomes a reality. We review what you tell us to I review. I think we downplay that aspect a little bit. Just want to throw that out there again. Anything that you tell us to review... We have to review. We have to we're review. not reviewing Serbian films. Well, yeah... No, we're not. We've said that before. All, we have the reserve. The almost res- anything. Reserve the right to, to refuse. But um, 
There's even a freebie on there. So if you yeah, want to check is. out patreon.com for... Uh, this is really good, kids. Listen up, for real. Audio commentary. This is really, really fun. The movie Knowing is amazing. It's we make it even better, I Directed think. by yeah. Alex Proyas. It stars the one true god, Nicolas Cage. And some aliens. This is a sci-fi film that Jared just ruined, literally, right now. Uh, but you should watch You should watch <laughs> Knowing. Yeah, it's from 2009. That's It's almost a decade ago. Yeah. It's a fun movie. We try to connect it to the Alex Proyas universe. We, I think we succeed. Primarily Dark City, his masterpiece uh, of weird I think gods film of, noir. Gods of Egypt says hi. <laughs> Fuck that. Is, that. is that his masterpiece, Gods of no, Egypt? No, no. Yes, check that out. We got, a, we got an audio commentary for the full length of Knowing. You just sync it up with the movie, one-to-one ratio. So whatever point you're at in the film is exactly the same point on the MP3. Just go to that time. Just play it whenever you want. It matches up with the Netflix uh, knowing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One hour, 54-minute cut, I believe. I don't know if there's any other versions. Uh, But yeah, go to patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Also go to our Instagram, but it's busted. Yeah, but if you go there, it's fine. If you Don't even up. mention it. Don't even mention it. Twitter. Run. Yeah, Twitter is or better. Or Twitter, at Vertical Viewing. Yeah. Email us, verticalviewing at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate us, review us on uh, all of the platforms. Whatever's happening is happening. It's happening. All I'm right. on Letterboxd. The music is by the anti-theory. We got so a, good. We got a surprise coming soon. Maybe... I, I, By the I'm, end of the year, I'm hoping that I'm the, for it. the theme song may sound a little different on the podcast coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Red, what is happening? Join us. What did you watch? Hello. Here you I am. watched Killing of a Sacred Deer with me. I did watch Killing of a Sacred Deer with you. But do you have anything else? I do have something else that I didn't uh, have the pleasure of in either of your companies <gasps> to watch, which was... Sesnam, the city before the city. Is that uh, how it's? Is that actually how it's pronounced? I can't really do the okay. uh, acrobatics in that are required <laughs> to pronounce this. The vocal acrobatics. Um, there's some like pops that are supposed to come with the C at, that starts it, and the E's are upside down. And there's a letter that we don't even have. This so. is a musk musqueam. 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 Yeah. Um, the, this was all about the musqueam people and um. You know, it wasn't exactly an uplifting film. I didn't expect it to be. Um, But it's all about, uh, as the title says, the city before the city. So it kind of in part focuses around um, this one uh, development site in the city uh, down near towards the airport, I think. Um, Of which city? Of what? Vancouver. Okay. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Yes, we are here in Vancouver. Um, and the Musqueam people's traditional territory included all of the greater Vancouver area up into the mountains, like the, around the Lions. Um, and so now, anytime developers are breaking ground, basically they're disturbing like various ancient sites that are, you know, 5,000, 9,000 years old. The VIF staff are essentially referencing this movie before every screening, aren't they? They're saying... Well, that's not this movie. But this I, is in Vancouver. It's it's um, it's policy, basically, to begin uh, public gatherings by saying, uh, we'd like to begin by acknowledging that we live and work on the unceded uh, territories of the 
Musqueam, Sautooth, uh, I don't even, there's, depending on where, however many different tribes you've displaced. Oh, it's, and, and, and really it's just like, people say, oh, it's nice that they do that. But like, what is, people don't even know what it means. They don't think about it. And this documentary tries to bring that to light. Mm. And, um, there was one spot, as I was saying, out towards the airport where developers were trying to build and they unearthed some human remains. And so they had to stop digging right away. And, um, they were going to have their archaeological permits renewed and allow, be allowed to dig it up and just ship it away. And uh, the Musqueam people, who now live on 0.2% of their original territory in this tiny little reserve down like by the mouth of the Fraser River, um, they kind of gathered their forces and um, protested and blocked the bridge that's over top of it and tried to raise awareness and nobody really got mad at them when they were protesting. They, they were really successful in their, in their bid to, to raise awareness. So that's kind of positive, but what they do say is that it doesn't stop it. Like anytime, you know, Jericho beach or Capilano, anytime they, a developer builds a new home, they're doing the same thing. They're, Mm. they're disturbing these like villages and really, really important sites. Um, but it was a great movie. It's a good one. This is actually a decent, it's a documentary, uh, right? It was great in the sense that I learned so much, um, but it's it wasn't the best documentary as I've a ever film. Seen. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, like uh, there was a bunch of, uh, I mean, I don't know how I feel about w- movies that that rely often on text on screen, and sometimes you have to do it, but I think there's more artful ways of doing it, or. In what way? Just just walls of text, yeah, huh. yeah. like chunks of text. Doesn't that's not that's doesn't not. that happen in Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Yeah, but it got, looks really cool. And and it's got, like different colors, and, and it's stuff. synced up to the music. And, and the parts in the, in this documentary that are in written in the Musqueam language, that's I understand, and that's cool. It's not walls of text. It's like really really interesting maps of Vancouver that are way older than Vancouver. Right? Every every neighborhood that that is occupied now has been occupied for a lot longer than uh, oh, yeah, 150 yeah. years. Like it's kind of like 150 years that this whole like celebration kind of becomes not so cool after you walk out of this documentary. It's hmm. like, what are we, what are we celebrating here? Okay. Well, we, we watched something else at VIF that was pretty fun, right? Oh yeah. And totally uplifting. uplifting. Yeah. Um, the, the killing of a sacred deer, you can tell by its name. I, I was gonna Sorry about be there that, with Mike. you guys, but I I couldn't quite make it. So yeah, best wishes to your fiance. Hopefully yeah, she's still under the weather. Yeah, so. it's, we hope she recovers. Yeah, me too. Uh, Soon. This wouldn't have been a good one to 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 take her to or to go to yourself probably on a night like that. But the killing of a sacred deer is awesome. It's pretty cool, eh? Right. Like it's a lot of fun. So this doesn't spoil anything. I, I walked out of the movie and I. Didn't know how to feel about it, which is a, a similar, it's a, it's a reoccurring theme in films in 2017, where you go, what was the director trying to fucking say just <laughs> now? What was that movie about? So at the end of Killing of the Sacred Deer, we uh, kind of had that feeling. Went on trusty old Letterboxd, believe it might be Brian Tallarico of RogerEbert.com. His one-sentence review... Of oh, yeah, killing I mean, of a sacred deer is, I, I is incredible. Like a lot. It is a man who plays God meets a boy who plays devil, and 
that sums up this movie so perfectly, crystallizes the theme of it. Colin Farrell plays a uh, heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. And, and this boy... Who's a, who's a son of one of the patients who didn't survive a surgery of Farrell's, basically haunts his family and puts a curse on his family, I guess. Like a death curse. Yeah, he. that's, that's it, he, I guess. <laughs> So there's this element... Inexplicable... Completely inexplicably, there's a scene where maybe the curse gets lifted briefly, and then... Depending on if... Like, lowered again? Maybe when you're hanging out with the devil. If he wants to, he can lift the curse at at any moment, perhaps. If if you love him. This little guy, Barry Barry Keegan, uh, I guess you could call him Meat Face Kid from Dunkirk. Uh, Oh, yeah. Georgie, right? There's no hider from this, Georgie. This is, imagine being asked to act in this. He's amazing. He does fan, a fantastic job. Performances across the board in Killing of Sacred Deer are top-notch. Nicole Kidman is unbelievable. Uh, Colin Farrell's hilarious. Made me want to buy a new watch. It's water-resistant up to 200 meters. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the darkness of the humor in this film goes to levels where... Uh, like, not to ruin things, you know, but it is some sort of, like, a form of Sophie Choice kind of plot, right? Where you... Yeah, I think what that's family, in the teaser. It, yeah, not that's, the teaser. The, like, that's, that's the, in the, the, the literature you'd the, read the about the movie. The premise of the film, right, is sort of what family member, if you had to kill one... Uh, one has to go. Which one do you... How do yeah. you pick one? Yeah, and scenes where he's at the guidance counselor oh asking God. which kid is the better <laughs> student, and if you had to choose which one was better... Oh, come on, Mr. Guidance Counselor. At least give me an answer here. Don't waffle on me. Uh, How does this compare? Like, I know they're two very different films. The Lobster? The Lobster, like, which one do you prefer? I, I think The Lobster might have a lot more to say and be a bit... I more... don't know if it... it uh, it's definitely... Mm, the Lobster not. is more intense. The Lobster has more, like, if you think about the scene with the dog getting yeah. murdered or all kinds of the really sort of graphic in-your-face like jarring visuals. This movie had less of that. It did have some moments. It is a thriller though. Yeah, and some of the moments are really accompanied by like that sharp jarring music and it really like Kubrickian as hell. Slaps you. But but way more restrained than The Lobster, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's amazing. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, uh, it's really really good. And as as a domestic thriller um it it works really well because it almost starts a little bit f- into the story than you'd expect it to and Colin Farrell already has this relationship with Yeah, it doesn't tell you With Martin is the character. It doesn't worry about telling you stuff. You just and, you, like, and you're just left wondering why the hell is he agreeing to do all these things, right? He's Why is he meeting? Meet, Where meet, are they? What meet me for ice on? cream. Meet me for ice cream next week. Like why the fuck is he hanging yeah, out with come this Come over for dinner tomorrow. 15 He's he's not disagreeing to any of them right that's alicia silverstone by the way yeah and she is no longer uh clueless a, a young yeah she doesn't look like what's Cher. her name a share yeah no she does not different looking she's lady a, she's she's a few years uh, <laughs> older maybe that, that's fine right yeah, yeah killing killing of a sacred deer pretty much see it tops all around the like, opening the opening shot is, highly recommend that all of you find a way to see it if, if you don't like uh well it'll be out in wide release sooner yeah the, there is some like biting stuff oh like open heart surgery to op- to begin the film 
Oh yeah, a close up of a beating heart. Yeah, did, I think people were actually retching in the theater. Did you hear that? No. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, it's like it is literally open heart. Like mm-hmm. I think it's a deer's heart. I think it's a human heart, right? Was it? I don't know, but like it's a it's a beating heart exposed oh, and i swear somebody up in the back of the theater was it's completely it's completely insane yeah i think maybe you're right actually <laughs> maybe you're right uh yeah, there's some crazy weird sexual relationship stuff with the way nicole kidman oh and, yeah and uh, colin farrell uh yeah do we don't want to spoil sex life that is, joke oh all of it's great uh is there anything else probably not that's all i got mike uh well i didn't really watch much this week oh, I i'm started... sorry you, you would have been there but yeah, I, w- I planned to see that. Uh, I was really just kind of taking it easy. I watched, started watching, because uh, now it's on Netflix, the first season of The Exorcist TV show, though. Yeah, that's a thing that exists. I didn't even it's, know this. Uh, <clears throat> it's actually really good. My yeah. my coworker had people knock on her door, and they said, Hi, sorry about all the racket. We're bringing all these construction equipment into your backyard. We're filming The Exorcist. Here is a check for $1,000. Have a good day. Wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a a really well-done show so far. I've only watched the first couple of episodes, uh, but it builds the creep factor up. Uh, We basically, we follow Father Tomas, who... uh, He's from Mexico City. Is he in any of the original films? No, no. Okay. Uh, He's in Mexico City, or he's from Mexico City. He is now a priest in a small church in Chicago, Illinois. Um, We are introduced to some characters um, right off the bat, like a family. The father has had some sort of stroke or something, so he's not fully himself anymore. And there's two teenage daughters, one of them who was just in a car accident, and the mother, played by Gina Davis, thinks that she she's hearing th- like the mother's hearing whispering in the walls, and she the thinks wallpaper. she thinks the daughter might actually like who is in a car accident. She's like, it's not her anymore. I think that it might be a demon. I don't know how to feel about Gina Davis. Yeah, she's she's all right in this. Like um, Beetlejuice is wicked, but Thelma and Louise. she she's never been a fantastic actress. No. Yeah, that's another good one, Thelma right. and Louise. But yeah, what's that bad one where she's a pirate? Oh, that's that's we cut Cutthroat Island. Island. Yeah. yeah, worst movie ever. Yeah, League of Their Own's so fine. Uh, so she she's all right in this. I actually I accidentally read a bit of a spoiler. I think as to oh like how this You're relates. Tell us? So this uh, yeah I'm totally gonna tell you. Uh, so the idea is this is in present day, right? Like the the original Exorcist movie is from the 70s. Uh, which is still fucking creepy as hell if you haven't watched it recently. Oh, and it's still the number one horror film of all time. Yeah. Halloween it's been remastered, worth watching. Halloween for sure. is coming up. Watch the remaster. Oh. Um, but Gina Davis is Linda Blair. Is that uh, she is? She is the girl from The Exorcist. So as she, an adult, as an adult. Okay. So she knows about all this shit, which she is can why still taste yeah, the so, split pea soup. <laughs> which is why she reaches out to the like. Because there's nothing saying, in the first couple episodes, there's really nothing that says, why would she believe in demons? Like, all the, she hears something in the house and she comes to a priest and asks him for, like, an exorcism? That doesn't make any sense. No, it's good. Who is this woman? It's good. But that's, that's how they tie it in. She is the original character oh. who was originally possessed. And now, uh, it seems that there are demons manipulating Father Tomas. Uh, he has a dream and sees Father Marcus. So the the two, like, there's the old grizzled veteran, 
And then there's the younger, naive priest that are drawn together. But the interesting twist here is uh, the old grizzled priest is telling the young guy, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I believe in a god, but there are forces that you don't understand and they are manipul- manipulating you. You think you had a dream and you were sent here by God? Don't believe that. Mm. So it's like, all, they're not, this guy is not really that religious, um, but they're leaning into this whole other world of entities. It's, it's really cool so far. I'm, I'm really liking it. Have you? There's a second season, I think, yeah. coming. Have you? Have either of you guys watched? Now, I I read this and I talked about the comic book, but it's Outcast is also a series um, on television, and it involves like demons and some otherworldly stuff. But I haven't seen it, and I wonder if either of you guys mm. watched it. Well, I'm still I'm still walking uh, walking powering through Supernatural. By the way, just uh, in my off time, I think I'm on season six. Is awful. Have they been to hell yet? Oh yeah, um, with the chains. Like as far, if you had to choose here, Supernatural has great entertainment value. It is a popcorn TV show through and through. Uh, Exorcist has substance to it. Like it, it's constructed in like a really nice way. Some of the shots are fantastic. It actually starts with this low camera shot on the street that's just going along this fall Chicago street, so it looks cold. And then this delivery truck swings by, and the camera just follows it for like a block mm-hmm. and then we end up on the church where we hear the sermon being given like it's this really elegant intro to the show so i'm i'm, I'm really digging how this thing is constructed okay see I, I i what studio's making this thing i don't know so <laughs> they are doing a piss poor job of promoting it because i think 99 percent of human beings don't, don't even, even know this exists don't even know there's an exorcist show now, mind you, they're probably fatigued because there's just too many movie shows, right? We're getting a True Lies television program from Mick G. Yeah, because so that's people what we kinda, need. They, people are kind of jumping off bridges when they heard that one. Like, what's going on, people? Uh, Mike, do you have any others, or should I jump in here? Uh, that was the big one. I'm just going to double check and see who's doing this. Ah, it doesn't matter. I'll find it later. Well, it's just, like shame on them. They yeah. need they need a better marketing. I, I that horse is dead. I don't understand. Like I, I actually came across it in an article the other day saying this is one of the best horror TV shows that exists, and people don't even really know about it. So there like, you go, <clears throat> Hannibal. Yeah, Wasn't I was Hannibal really just good? thinking about that. That was a show that got a ton of promotion, right? I listened to a whole podcast just about the sound on Hannibal, and for that reason alone, I was like. Damn, I want to watch this show. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that day I like looked it up and it was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cinematography on that show is amazing too. I watched things. What did you watch? Scott? Thing 1 and Thing well, 2? Okay. Cuphead crazy. We've discussed Cuphead. It's a very challenging video game that we don't want to it, it, it pisses it'll piss you off. Cuphead, <laughs> son of a- so we we talked about Killing of a Sacred Deer amazing film i also saw another film at the vancouver international film festival this would be called shadow man shadow man yeah. what would shadow man be this is a documentary based on the nintendo 64 video game it's that a game yeah it was that's great. also a boss in one of the Mega Man gums this is about a richard Ham- richard hamilton that's he it. is a dude from vancouver who made these bizarre uh, shapes in you know, sort of shadowy figures on walls in New York in the early eighties, um, and I mean that's pretty much it. 
Is but it it's, cool? It, it is really good. It's it's a, it's an art documentary. I like it a lot more than, say, for instance, uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Okay, yeah, that one's kind of boring. And I, it's a bit preachy, right? This this feels a lot more focused on this. So in, in the early 80s, there were three dudes in New York who ran the art scene. One was Basquiat, John Michel Basquiat. Uh, the other was... Um, Keith Haring, who drew those little you know stick figure guys, those little squiggly With the, like, zigzag, yeah, lines little light bulbs coming dogs. out of their heads and There's stuff, like dogs yeah, barking, guys lying on the ground, all twi- yeah. You know what he actually drew? Dicks. Those. That's what those all were. No, like he drew. Like if you actually look up, he just drew <laughs> like a dicks. billions of dicks. <laughs> like imagine graph paper, and instead of a graph, it's just like tiny dicks and balls. Uh, so the, like from Superbad. I'm not making this up. The, wow. The uh, those three artists like ran ran New York. Yeah, and and so the the Basquiat and Heath Herring died early in their careers, which caused all their art to skyrocket in price. And Richard Hamilton. Um, he has the quote unfortunate burden of not dying wow. at the height of his career at a young age, tragically. So he is still alive, and this documentary is heartbreaking. If not only just looking at a man dying of of skin cancer is what's happening. He he in the middle of the documentary, which they started shooting like ten years ago or even longer, because they have footage from his whole life. He starts wearing a band aid over his nose. Because part of his face is just dissolving. Gross. And throughout the movie, it gets worse and worse and worse. And now he has this complete face. Like, it it is horrifying what's happened to this guy. Poor guy. But the art he's created appears to have just taken such a toll on this guy. Um, And there's these frustrating scenes where they're trying to prepare him for this art show. And he's got all these amazing finished pieces, and then he keeps saying, "I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done." He's suffering from that that feeling of an artist who can't. It's never finished. Can't back away from the canvas, and and he had these beautiful pieces, and then the director of the documentary would come back a week later, and he's painted over them, and he's it's and completely different. Yeah, yeah, or not completely, but just like now, it's just totally fucked, and he's kind of just fucked with it on purpose, it seems, and. He's he's an addict, and he's suffering from mental illness. Um, artists are are sometimes yeah. <laughs> I say sometimes. Usually, good artists are tortured, right? Because good art is. Uh, I'm going to use the words of a colleague of mine. Good art uh, is meant to evoke an emotional response, right? Ooh. And uh, I think the people, perhaps the people that feel the strongest emotions are people that uh, are a bit different. And, and This is, yeah. Like, um, it, it's a, not only is it a look at the toll that art takes on the artist, but it's also a look at the, um, like, the, the commercial popularity of art and how it exploits those artists without, without any sort of regard for, for them as a person. Right, There's watching a good episode of South Park about this. But watching watching this guy who's got half a face and he's an old man with scoliosis, he can barely walk, and he's at these New York art parties, these museum launch events with supermodels, and it's just like clearly they're in different worlds, right? He's he lives, he squats in a loft with rats and doing heroin, right? I mean, it's it's a crazy documentary. Uh Jesus. It's really good though. Shadow Man, 
What what's the South Park episode you're referencing? Uh the Britney Spears one. Oh yes. That that's uh, a fantastic forget, episode. It's, it's something business or but it's the one where Britney it's right it was made around the time when Britney Spears shaved her head. Yeah, they're they're sacrificing her and they kind of eat her yeah, or something, right? It's about like yeah, the, the martyrdom the martyrdom of, of celebrity or something like that. I just want to throw this out there really quick, because uh, I was looking up <laughs> Exorcist stuff. It's been nominated for a bunch of awards, including uh, by the American Society of Cinef- Cinematographers for Outstanding Achievements Get in out of Cinematography town. in TV and miniseries. Yeah. So, like, it, it looks good. Are you kidding me right now? No. If you, Cin- tell, me, if you tell me something's got some cinematography sexiness, then... Uh, Check it out. your jam. Yeah, I'll, I'll line up. Do you, know, do you know what looks really good? What? I, I don't know. Maybe this other movie, but you probably saw other stuff, I think. Are you trying to segue into the review right now? What is happening? No, I can't. I'm trying, I can't even hold. I, I can't. It's, it's. This guy just tried to take over the bus. You bogarted the review. Uh, I, I watched other things at VIF, if it's all right with Rev. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm just very excited. I understand. Have a lot, yeah, it's uh, true. I, I, He's never done this before, folks. He's on. He's off the leash right now. The first time in podcast history. Uh, I, I watched some goodies. I watched The Farthest at VIF, which is a documentary oh, Voyager. about the Voyager probe. Uh, this thing was pretty dope. It, it was a bit too long for my taste. Was it kind of dry? I was worried that if that this would be like a very dry documentary. No, because the people involved are frequently crying. Um, <laughs> it is clearly... It's wet. It's a moist <laughs> it's a documentary. It's a wet documentary. I mean, it's, it, the, the, the engineers and scientists who, who handled and, and managed this mission over decades, because the Voyager mission has, is still technically ongoing. It's still flo- in outer space. Yeah, right? and they're still taking data and measurements from Isn't it. Isn't it now outside that's the, the end of the film yeah it, it it closes on the idea that the the uh, literally on one day in 2012 on in it de- made it sound they December, didn't expect all of a sudden all the levels and all the readings just dropped to zero and they realized like w- just in a matter of seconds they passed outside of the but didn't it it, it, solar it actually system, went like, the bubble that the that the sun creates the sound it made was actually like I don't know if it was like some dramatic moment out of contact. Was no, no, it was. There's a there's an episode of uh, Radio Lab, I think. South about Park. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like. There might <laughs> actually be. Yeah, the, the farthest is a, is a. It, it isn't dry, but it is stretched over. I think too long uh, a, a runtime for what it really is about because this isn't fair that that much different than something you'd see on. PBS Nova or mm. Discovery Channel. It, it it is really well done, but I, I didn't see anything hmm. that was not present <laughs> on standard documentary stuff on TV. Um, and it, it it is kind of nice to watch these trips as Voyager went through. Right, we saw Jupiter for the first time and Saturn, and was it ascending Neptune and all this shit? Yeah, good one, <laughs> good good stuff. Um. It, it it's it, it's hard to ignore the cultural and anthropological significance that Voyager holds for humankind. I, I think there might not be a more important object that humans may ever build than the than, golden disc. Then maybe the golden the disc thing. or the whole thing itself. Like if if it when the sun burns out and the earth dissolves in you know three or four billion years, Voyager will still be out there. And 
Don't you think we'll have surpassed that? I mean, we'll probably have sent other probes just in other directions, and it's probably not going to be our only one. But it is, I mean, it is, I guess, going to be, for now, it certainly is. and Unless we achieve if, faster if, than light. If if Rocket Man fuck uh destroys all of our of our infrastructure and we all live in a Blade Runner universe then actually no Blade Runner has off-world colonies never mind let's hang out uh the farthest is is really good and and as you said that that golden disc is really important it's got all of these songs from across the world recorded on it heartbeats of you yeah, know, yeah, all ba- this babies cool and sounds. animals and um do you think if the if Voyager or like a probe like it we gave directions on how to find Earth. Right, and like DNA and stuff. <laughs> if there wasn't Voyager and we were doing it now, do you think, what do you think would go on there? Do you think it'd be the same thing? Like, there's no way the same content li- would be like placed on there. I'd like to think that keeping up with the Kardashians wouldn't be on there. Yeah, I know, right? It would be one but... of the Kardashians <laughs> inside. Kim. Yeah, we send Kim to you. She's in Voyager. Fuck. It's Bruce. I mean, Caitlin. No, we have something like, uh, oh, but Gangnam Style. Psy? <laughs> Psy is in there? Yeah. And he's just doing that. I, honestly, he's I think, just doing I think Gangnam style. that would probably have made it. He's powering the, 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 sh- the probe. Uh, finally, I watched Call Me By Your Name. It's pretty good. It's overrated. Who's in this and who directed it? Uh, Luca Guandino is an Italian man. You said that with confidence. Yes. Uh, Army Hammer is in this. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is in this from Arrival and Doctor Strange. Timothy Chalamet. It's not a big cast. It's, it's It's... a story of a sexual awakening of this young 14-year-old dude with, I think, like a 23-year-old older man. I don't know. It was the 80s, guys. And it was in Italy. So it's okay, I guess. It's fine. It's fine in any any universe, I suppose. Uh, But it's clunky in some spots the dialogue isn't the greatest there's some hit or miss performances so why is this best picture it tells a really un, i guess i mean it, it is it is a queer story and it it is done in a very romantic way and done in a very human uh, yeah but in in a very sort of standard romantic way that that a lot of you know male female romance films are done like it feels like a like a lost in translation kind of thing where mm. it's about a chance encounter between two, you know, people who would have never known each other in, in a, in a exotic location and they only have a limited time together. And yeah, it's, it's that, a short, sweet, you know, isn't that before series of moments or sunrise Yeah, all or, the before movies. I haven't um, seen those, but they're good, but they're about a couple, right? That's about Ethan Hawke. And is it a couple? I thought they were strangers on a train. They are, but they, you know, over over the course of thirty years or so, they but it, they get together. So that's why I'm thinking of like this couple, like the guy and the older guy. Like it could be something similar. Yeah, no, it it is. It it has less. Like I wish the dialogue was as good as Richard Linklater. Yeah, those are can why. Write. That's why they, those are so good. Yeah, it's because it's about that all, those awesome conversations that are really human and stuff. They're they're. I'm glad you mentioned that because the dialogue, despite being clunky and boring, Michael Stuhlbarg has a monologue at the end of 
this movie, Call Me By Your Name, it, it, it feels like the screenwriter had some smelling salts put under his fucking nose. He woke up at the end. All of a sudden, went, oh shit, I have a job to do. Let me write some good dialogue and some interesting revelations that a character's having. And, and finally, it, it's, almost, it's such an amazing breath of fresh air when this monologue starts. And it's, it's, it's dad of the century material where Michael Stuhlbarg, like if you think of the kind of father who if he found out his son was having secretly having this gay relationship with you know another man under in his own house secretly all hiding it imagine some stereotypical father who grabs a fucking belt and beats the living shit out of his son and calls him every other word you can possibly think of take the complete opposite of that and that is michael stuhlbarg's powerful heartfelt amazing monologue that is just so beautifully earnest and accepting and encouraging of who his son is and just it, it like it's the most incredible hug of a monologue that a dad could give to his son uh it justifies the whole movie which is two hours and 15 minutes a little bit long to get to a five minute monologue but it is actually worth it um i mean you did have to watch the main character elio fuck a peach a peach yeah does he have a the world's tiniest well dick? he's 14 14 <laughs> dude yes there's a scene where he fucks a peach and then army hammer comes in and starts kissing him and says what what have you done this is have you done something <laughs> you new tastes delicious <laughs> Yeah, You're some, so juicy. I think today. that's that's the sort of headliner scene in the movie. Like, there's I've seen some articles saying, "Oh, the the peach scene." Uh, I, not I, since American I, Pie. I'm kind of stuck on this. I mean, <laughs> you guys, it's way bigger than a peach. What the fuck? <laughs> he really needs to know, guys. Uh, yeah, no, like Is call, he sticking it right through. Or you don't see him do it, but he's kind of like take yeah, the pit think, out. He takes the pit out of the peach. It gets a bit graphic. The, the peach, you're watching. Well, no, the peach is covered in something afterward. It's. I don't want to explain this scene too he much. Comes on the peach, guys. Maybe call uh, me. Good old peaches I, and cream. I, I don't want to talk peaches about and cream. <laughs> yeah, right. Gross. Jesus fucking Christ. Hilarious, <laughs> guys. This is. It, it, it is a pretty good movie. I can see why it's getting a lot of buzz. I think it's really overrated. But you guys will be hearing a lot about "Call Me by Your Name" in January and February. Yeah, okay. I might check this out. It's it's a lot of nice stuff. I might not check it out actually because it sounds like a character drama and i don't really watch those red doesn't do it so um really well i i'm not recommending it as one of those even if it was a good one i would say so um i can see why people would like it but i i was not impressed with call me by your name unfortunately the cinematography probably wasn't good enough for you no it wasn't roger deke roger deke wasn't on this one i blinked more than usual leaving the theater after this one Ah, bright. Do you want to do you want to maybe do the uh, Clockwork Orange wireframe your eyes open for 2 hours and 44 minutes of Blade Runner? This this movie's so good.
the Nicholas for the colonial ships. Closest any of them or any of us is gonna get to that grand life off-world. So come on now. What sort do you have in mind? Because I got all kinds. I'm not buying. No, no, no. This is just my game, and I play it fair. No, no. I mean, bigger than you. Bigger than you were trying to shut me down. Bigger than you, and they were, they were men at that. So that was a clip from Blade Runner 2049. 30 years after the events of the first film, a new Blade Runner LAPD officer K unearths a long buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. That seems... Chaos. Okay. Blade Runner 2049 is directed by Denny Villeneuve, our yeah, god and well, savior. Like, the, how cool is it? The best working director in, in the Hollywood. World. In the world. In the world. It's between him and Nolan. I'd like to see, like, a UFC match between... But he's Canadian, so I'm going to say it's him. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, Jared Leto... Anna de Armas, Sylvia Hoax, Robin Wright, uh, Mackenzie Davis, and Drax, a.k.a. Dave Batista. There are a lot of Canadians Bautista. involved in this film. A.k.a. Sapper Morton. What a cool name. He, um, his glasses were tiny. He had tiny little shades. I, I, you, you look like such a badass. Especially if you have a big old shaved head when you put those glasses over your ears that the are just that those wrap wires. Yeah, you can look like such a hardcore motherfucker if you put on the, you wrap those glasses around your ears like well, some psycho. We also know you're not going to be hitting anyone or being hit by anyone if you're wearing those glasses. Uh, we are here. We've arrived in 2049. We have important business. There's fog everywhere. There's smog. It's, it looks like shit. Let's see. Our There's cars. Fog, but, clouds, dust, smoke. Yeah. The, the, mist. The, the, the consequence of our cool cars is all this Seems smog. like it's pretty polluted. We have the dopest cars ever. Red, your Peugeot. My Peugeot. Flying car looks so sweet. Yeah. How, how is the view from inside? Uh, you can't. It's just rain. Um, <laughs> you can't it's see like, anything it depends on what time of day it is or night it's either black or orange on the outside do you just stick it on autopilot and just kind of sleep while you're yeah like floating over the farmer's fields you only really get to fly for the first like hundred feet and then you just fall asleep and then you just you're in the clouds and uh what did you think of blade runner 2049 oh man i don't even know where to begin this movie was really just overwhelming like i mean deacons had my eyes popping out of their sockets the whole time um the cinematography unreal unreal just the 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 score and the cinematography alone i was sort of several times caught myself just staring in awe at these monolithic structures like oddly poking sideways out of the smoke and just it was so cool and i thought that uh gosling was a fantastic uh update to what uh harrison ford did back in the 80s uh i liked his cool new jacket um it's almost the same jacket it's pretty 
awesome. It's close. It's so dirty. This like hard boiled sort of detective doing his own thing. It's it was so awesome and it was so true to the spirit of the original. I the word that I like for this movie is patient. Like the original had these long shots and slow zooms and and this one does the exact same thing and really lets you soak in the colors and the atmosphere, not just the cool vehicles and 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 neat buildings, right? They it's, didn't just go for a straight action. No, this extravaganza. is this is not an action movie for people like that are expecting a, an explosion every second kind of thing. Those guys are going to get bored. This isn't often. The, the Total Recall remake with Colin Farrell. No, this is no, not no, no. the prequels, right? The lightsaber overload. This is more subdued, and but I love this movie. It was so good. Uh, I don't know if it's better than the original. It's different than the original because it's new and it does things the original couldn't do. Has some special <laughs> effects. Has some like cool vehicle shots that we couldn't do back in the eighties, uh, and it does them so well. Um, I don't want to give anything about story away at all. I know, but I'm just going to say that I love this movie, Mike. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie as well. Like it's there's so much to love about it. Uh the cinematography is amazing. Like it expands the Blade Runner universe so well, but is it stays true to it in such a great way. Like didn't Denis Villeneuve knew, knew exactly what he was doing and bringing Deacons on. It was like, "All right. You guys I I you, whatever, you can do whatever you yeah, want." Yeah, those guys can do anything. Um I have a review that disagrees with that. Really? Yeah, David Ehrlich of IndieWire. Um he says that each scene is a gilded vault of dead air, ideas sometimes crystallizing from the mist as the characters try not to be suffocated by the set design. Roger Deakins is having the time of his life, but the sterile, hypersaturated nature of his work seldom feels right for this movie world, the atmosphere of which isn't nearly as thick or twinkling as it was in the original. Villeneuve's follow-up looks more like a steampunk version of of Inception than anything else. Does that guy what? know what steampunk is? I think has he seen the original? That sort of discredits the entire comment. I knew this would <laughs> flame up. Um, he's he's a really good writer. He's a very good reviewer. Sometimes I disagree s- hardcore with David Ehrlich. Sometimes I really agree with him. Um, but he knows he knows he's a great writer at least. Uh, but I think he is wrong here. Well, I I understand a little bit of what he's saying, but I don't think he described it very well. Like, I, I love the way this movie looks, but it's long, and it's long because of the way it looks. Like, what you were talking about, we get a lot of shots that just, we, we sit and drink it in, and it looks beautiful, but it's not necessarily moving the the film along. Like, it, it, it does go at a bit of a slow pace, simply because we're looking at this incredible world. I think also because... Uh, if you've ever seen a Ryan Gosling movie, you will know that he, he just likes to act without saying anything, right? Like yeah. Drive has him doing a whole lot of just only God like forgives, looking solemn, right? Only God forgives, looking solemn, right? Yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, looking very solemn. In fact, almost at one point, I was like, "Does he have a lazy eye? Does he have like something droopy?" Well, well, he he kind of does. A I think a lazy he kind of does. Yeah. Um, Yes, but like overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I'm still thinking about it. I watched it the other day. Uh, there's not a whole lot of plot going on in this film. Like it's pretty bare bones from what I like. The story itself 
is only a few beats. Yeah, noir films um, are generally more dependent on the investigation yes. process. Uh, you know, the story is somewhat basic when you reach the end. Oftentimes, and, and I'm okay right? with that. The film had a couple of missteps for me, so it's not a perfect film. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And one of those missteps was what I what I already mentioned. I don't think this needed to be quite as long as it was. Yeah, that's the I've heard. I've read a couple things saying indulgent or self-indulgent i don't think that's necessarily true but i can see how that comes through with the way it is shot like with those long pauses and just focusing on the world which i still really liked i just think it detracted a little bit from the movie and i could see why some people find that indulgent i agree i felt it was it was i recognized that it was long but i didn't feel like it was long and i had this moment during the film where uh the guy beside me like at a moment where I was noticing, I'm like, okay, this is this movie is longer. The guy yawned, but I also I, I caught myself thinking, like, how dare you? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm still totally into this. Yeah, it cool. it was odd because I I recognized that this movie was, I I felt like it was long, but at the same time I didn't. It was this weird, like mm-hmm. my body knows it's long, but my my eyes and my mind are so engaged in the, what's happening on screen that it's like telling my body shut up. Yeah. Just follow the gods. It, it it is it is kind of yeah it is it is kind of that for me too. I I I recognize the length of it and then but I said how about you how about you shut the fuck up and watch Roger Deakins and <laughs> let Blade the, Runner and, and for let Pete's them, sake yeah like you're watching a Blade Runner movie from Denny Villeneuve and Roger Deakins in 2017. Watch what's gonna so, win so, him the Academy. For hey, how about you shut the fuck up? So what if it's two hours and forty minutes? Yeah, get varicose veins. All right deal with it yeah uh i i loved this movie i i have a few hang-ups as well um i I wonder how much of the hype train was unavoidable here um Uh. in two parts right in 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 the first part of just what i said of the pedigree that is involved and the the expectations that just come along with all of the amazing cast and crew that were already on the table for this then recently Warner Brothers keeping the lid on early screenings till relatively late in the process. Reviews started bursting out of the dam like some sort of frenzy, and they were mainly glowing, overwhelmingly, over- overwhelmingly glowing. Right, like the reviews started flooding out for this thing were were transcendent. People were saying, as I mentioned in the beginning. You know, this could be better than the first. So there, there, and in some ways I might agree, some ways I might not. And and the interesting thing here is that we're talking about length. Uh, this is a Blade Runner sequel in every possible way that you can imagine, including some of the bad ways. And maybe that's intentional. I don't. I don't want to say intentional. You don't make your movie bad or boring on purpose, but there are but there Villeneuve are loved the original, and I think if there are flaws, then maybe that's part of them. He recognizes that, and he wants to emulate. It seems strange to the style have intentional lulls or or pacing issues in your movie. I don't know if I, I don't think would do that. I don't think, but like, the, David Ehrlich says in in his review, this is the first Denny Villeneuve movie that is boring, and I'm not going to go that far. However, the rest of his filmography is very taut and tense and oh, there's and there's very awesome little room to breathe, right? There's there's That's not true. a lot of room to breathe in a in a Villeneuve movie. It's the first time he's really stretched his legs out and had 
just a in this case almost just too much room a to breathe. giant <laughs> canvas of foggy shitty smog to fly his camera through um is it los angeles it's san angeles actually this is more Blade Runner-y than Blade Runner 1, <laughs> right? Because yeah. of what you can do with special effects now. It's, it's Blade Runner-y as fuck, you know? Like that one cool giant pyramid building from the original, oh, which is awesome. so amazing. It's even bigger it, this time. And yeah, they had to make a miniature model of that and all kinds of shit for the original, right? For this one, it's just like, go nuts on Photoshop, guys. So before we get into the plot, and which will mainly involve spoilers... Just yeah, the, right off the, the bat. The plot of the movie it's almost will... Im- yeah, it's almost <clears throat> impossible to talk about this um, at all without spoilers. But I do want to say that maybe my favorite thing about this film... And one of the characters does say that, you know, you've never seen a miracle. Mm-hmm. Miracles are important. The twist or the ambiguity of Deckard being a replicant is kept intact in this film. Yes. How, well, then, how did Denny Villeneuve pull this miracle off? If you want to watch Blade Runner 1 and remain in the dark or on either side on whether or not Deckard is a robot or not. You know, I didn't know that till right now. Do you think about it, right? This this film doesn't change anything. It doesn't retcon out anything from the first film. It just doesn't give you a definitive answer. It doesn't even bother to mention it, which is an amazing. I, I think to give Denny Villeneuve credit there, I think is extremely important because when this film was being greenlit, all you saw on the internet was bullshit comments about how. Why would you make a sequel to this? It's if if Deckard was a robot, then how can you have a sequel? They just keep leaning on that four year lifespan of the Nexus Six line, right? But I which, remember which reading... doesn't necessarily mean that Deckard was ever part of the same line of yeah. of replicants yeah, that as, was part as of, Roy Batty and all those people. Part of um, the original explanation, right? Like if we we heard Kermode talking about how you know. Yeah, he said it was uh, that Deckard was a replicant, and he was just like a Nexus Eight. Like they said, like you know, the, the the opening scrawl of this film says, which is a beautiful thing, and it just shuts up all those people who said that making a Blade Runner sequel stupid because the robots die. They just completely write that away by saying some robots have open-ended yeah. the lifespans. Nexus, the Nexus Eights that have an open-ended lifespan. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Three okay. words. Trolls deleted. Yeah, yeah, like like that's clean, beautiful screenwriting that expands the world in a nice way. Um, I think that's probably where the spoilers even begin. Maybe. Well, you, know. you mentioned that they don't really address the whole question in the film. They do very briefly, but it's done in such a great way. We'll have to get into it. Like we'd have to talk but about yeah, it. Yeah, and it, it it doesn't have any consequences on that. That amazing, ambiguous ending we're left with in the final cut of Blade Runner 1 with, you know, finding the unicorn and, hey, does Gaff know that my memories are implanted? And it, it, it perfectly matches with what is happening in Blade Runner 2. 2049 with this little toy horse and everything uh as a as far as a sequel to a movie goes blade runner 2049 is as as good as you can get yeah right yeah. It, it doesn't think of a better pairing but it doesn't like trample on any of the amazing shit in the first movie it expands it in an elegant way it it feels vital to the 
the it's, plot of the first one and so good and it honors it in the perfect way it's it's spectacular everybody that's our review of blade runner 2049 well i mean until the spoilers mark <laughs> hits right yeah, because once we get into that, we're just going to not be able to this stop talking. This is a unique case, I suppose. We haven't even talked about the plot, and it's basically all spoilers, which you think I feel better about doing it this way. Um, I do. It's, it's fine, I think. We, people know what we think of it, and yeah. if they're here for this, then they know now that... Yeah, if you haven't seen the film yet, maybe pause... It's not a spoiler that Ryan Gosling is a replicant. That is that is part of his yeah. identity. When the movie opens, you know, we're greeted with the text being there are Blade Runners under well, all replicants built now are under government control, right? Well, yeah, it, it well, I mean it refers to like robots that uh or androids who obey as Blade Runners, which is a little bit different than what Blade Runners was used to refer to in the first one, which is why I didn't have the same uh, interpretation of the possible ambiguity that yeah, you had. Okay. And they do even say that they, they use the same term. Yeah. We call them Blade Runners once again. Well, yeah, and that still doesn't point out the fact that Ryan Gosling is one right away. Like, we don't know that right away. No. I mean, well, he's bursting through the wall, and he's he's... Doing okay, right? He's doing well. At that moves. point, you start to wonder <laughs> when he glues his bicep back together. Um, the opening sequence for me was absolutely phenomenal. I was smiling from ear to ear. We were opening in the car with Ryan Gosling just chilling, just sleeping as you're sailing across these amazing farmers' fields and solar arrays and and favelas. Oh later. man, I I just immediately I was in this fucking thing. And I was so happy that I was getting something in, it's a in treat. 2017 that Absolutely looks Absolutely a visual so spectacle. And I felt like I was watching a bit of Dune when Dave Batista shows up wearing this weird beetle yeah, suit. Bug, worm, like larvae harvesting that, farmer. That was yep. straight up Dune shit, man. Well, there's... There's not nearly that much water on Arrakis. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it, that felt like some weird oil they were in, sure right? It's, it's, not, it's not. It's not water on it's, Arrakis. It, well, it is. It's just hidden oh, in damn. the cisterns. Remember, that's this. Well, we're. I know, but that's under. I don't want to spoil it, dude. <laughs> but the the opening sequence is something that was written for the original film with this boiling pot of soup. Oh yeah, yeah. Ridley Scott got obsessed with this idea of a farmhouse with a boiling pot of soup on the stove, and a replicant comes in and ignores. Deckard and just walks right up and starts stirring the pot. Uh, and, and it's just like a, a weird sequence to establish, you know, one person acting erratically. Uh, and they removed that sequence and just had that interrogation scene with Leon and the tortoise. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you about my mother and all that shit. So they finally repurposed it for this movie. Uh, I think it works pretty good. You know, you got a cool. It's very, it's very tense. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool standoff scene. The battle is fucking tight. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a good fight for sure. You really Batista is. I mean, when it first, when it starts, yeah, you're just like he's so big. This is so one sided. But then uh, you start to, you know, like Gosling starts holding his well, not as much holding his own as not dying, taking the beating fairly well. Um, so it's very entertaining. So what led Gosling to this 
location in the first place? He was an assignment. So it's just, we're hunting down. This is just yeah, on his case list yeah. of they retirees. Knew, they knew Bautista was a, a replicant. Uh, and this is where we get that dead tree with the date on it, 6, 10, 21, 21 or whatever. Carved into the root. Uh, this This comes up a lot. I'm not fully clear on all of this yet. The and date. I think, well, I think the fact that a lot of this film centers on memory implants once again mm-hmm. well, the adds, question, adds a whole layer of ambiguity to everything we're seeing. That's what this whole movie actually boils down to the question of whether our past memories determine who we are now. Yeah, it's kind of really well done, actually. And it's really layered and twisted up in a nice way that I think is going to... Like, there's a lot of juicy meat here for even a seasoned cult Blade Runner fan. Yeah. Would you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the Mainly being the revelation that replicants can bear children, which... Or, well, m- which has maybe? no... This is the interesting part. So the the main, one of the bigger twists of Blade Runner 2049, the reveal is we found Rachel's body buried underneath this tree. Rachel being the replicant or possible replicant from the first Blade oh, Runner movie. 100% a replicant. Deckard uh, interviews, and she asks him... It's his girlfriend. If, Come on, man. They're, if, they're together. Uh, if this is about being a robot or a lesbian. Do you, do you like our owl? <laughs> is it real? He never answers if he uh, if he really likes that owl or not. So the revelation being that replicants can somehow bear children for has, now. This is brand new. This is the no first. One, it's a miracle. The Nexus Eights. This is and the, they are um, finding out about this thirty years after the fact. Yeah, right. It's so like this is this is this earth shattering news. This this replicant of replicant born has been walking the earth for 30 years. How Who is it? Where are they? That forms the main thrust of the investigation of the movie. It's not, this movie does a bait and switch. The advertising tells you this is about finding Deckard, but it's, it's not, it's not, no. it's, it's about finding the baby, replicant Jesus, the replicant baby, Jesus. Baby replicant. I just remembered one scene that was really effective in this and it's really quick and it's just Gosling walking or Kay walking through the police station and like looking down and away from the other police officers. As they call them. Just to defer. And they're just all chirping the shit out of Racial slurs, right? Yeah. Calling and, and, them Skinner and stuff. Your skin job. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, I felt that that was a great way of, of it showing that these. The conflict in the, the world. The existing replicants are definitely like lower than second class citizens. Yeah, yeah. Garbage. And and in this time around, they're not made to be indistinguishable from humans. That was sort of the main thrust of the plot of the first movie of Blade Runner 1 is that, well, what the fuck do you do when you can't tell the difference? Remember, yeah. I think Robin Wright has a line where she says, uh, or one of the characters says, you're, you're, you're eat. It's much easier. It's Robin, right? Yeah, it's much easier to tell to tell you guys apart from humans nowadays or something, right? She she implies that it's it's no longer they don't build you in really? such a way for us to be fooled, oh, which because no. it's why the hell would you build really? I, it, I, I think one well, of the she, characters she sort of says, "If I didn't know better, like you're just so much easier to talk to you if I didn't really know better." I think I don't know anyway. Well, I mean, because now they know, like, they're built to obey, so... Yeah, that's true. You have to know if someone is capable of obeying you. 
But there are characters throughout this film that I wouldn't have pegged as replicants. I know, right? A lot of this, again, remains fuzzy and ambiguous. Um, But I think the interesting part here being that the revelation that replicants can bear children doesn't actually have any effect on whether or not Harrison Ford is a replicant. It's possible he that might he be. is the he one might. the one human that can procreate with Ra- Rachel happens to like Rachel and he are a perfect match Ra- replicant and human or Rachel Rachel and he are a perfect match replicant and replicant. Yeah. Both are possible yep. and neither negates the other. And 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 it's still yeah either either scenario has the same weight on 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 the importance of that baby, right? Like yeah, they're both equally important. And again, the miracle thin wire that Denis Villeneuve manages to run across here, he doesn't shit on any of the legacy of the first movie here. Like all of that ambiguity is all still there. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. I'm going to say the word again. <laughs> um, yeah, like and it feels like he did it that way so that another director wouldn't come along and fuck it up, right? I, you, you can easily you see think that somebody else a would lesser have made a Blade director, movie. Well, a lesser director would have I, would have fallen on one side of the fence probably, and and wouldn't have left that open ended question. Well, they wouldn't hanging. have been so artful, right? Like it's so good. This is definitely the 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 touch of a master. I want to say, um, yeah, I think that's fair. But Robin Wright, to, to, to speak about her, I don't, I don't think she was actually that great in the movie. I don't think her character was very good. No, I think her performance was pretty stilted and clumsy. She's the, uh, the pink-haired... Robin Wright? No, she's no, the, sorry. The um, detective, chief. or police chief, not um, detective. Come on, man. She, that's royalty. That's acting royalty up there, right? House of Cards? I've never Wonder watched Woman. House of Cards. She... Yeah, Wonder Woman. She's one of the princesses there. She's the aunt who gets... Fucking Jenny, man. Jenny. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that Forrest Gump reference that but we got him on. Well, we gotta say, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. also, Princess Bride. There you go. Come on. Princess Bride. Come on. Still, I think, Jenna. <laughs> I don't... I've cried more times for Forrest Gump than I have at Prince, Princess Bride. I, I don't yeah. particularly care for what she did here in, in terms of trying to be this police chief of any sort of superiority didn't really work for me her character really didn't have anything to add clunky lines for her yeah Yeah. she she didn't seem to be like the kind of um how she didn't seem like she was actually powerful enough to be hiding the kind of secrets that she was hiding like when she was talking about how society is between is is on a based on this wall and she's the only one that knows that i control chaos what who are you no you're you're just like a regional police chief (laughs) like what yeah what district do you control strange for her to be in this position of such high knowledge well she's the end of the world or you have one blade runner under you well, maybe, maybe she has more. She could just be like the Blade Runner lead command there. So, but there's some, the the clunkiest line I thought was the soul. Like they're talking about um, how, hey, oh, come yeah. on, Agent K, you've you, been doing just fine without one. What yeah. to be born is but, to have but, a soul, right? Dot 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 a beat a soul. But I thought that leading Burp. up to that, it was really really interesting territory. This is when Blade Runner's at its best, right? When you have philosophical discussions about, uh, you know. One of the one of the characters says, "Oh, personal questions make you feel 
desired, desired. or something. Like and, and pauses and, and really thinks about like per, I like personal. Que- it's nice to be asked personal yeah. questions. They make you feel and then really searching about for it. the term. And it's like desired. And in this, then she follows up with a personal question. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but but in this in, in interview scene, Agent K says something like. When he's tasked with hunting down this child, right? This child is important to the replicants. It must be put down because it's so significant. It can upset the balance, blah, blah, blah. Ryan Gosling is... Expresses perhaps reluctance. I'm not going to... You know, I'm going to still follow my orders, but I've never killed anything that was born before. And then she asks, well, well, how is that any different? Gets a bit clunky with the soul shit. You know, we don't need to go all the way there, do we? We're getting well, close. I think we're <laughs> treading close. We can just cut it off a little just earlier. Keep looking up <laughs> in the distance at it. Don't we don't have to go right there. Now I'm gonna ask you guys, movie's long. If you're gonna trim it off, we're big Anna de Armas fans here. But she can go. Her whole character her, can her just char- go. Her character doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, is is it honestly just an excuse to have a cool it, sequel to the sex scene from her? No, I think it's, it's to it's humanize out of Ryan Gosling. It's to humani- It's to okay. say that like there, you can you can be human and not human. Hmm. That's like, true. Ryan He's still Gosling yearning. can be a human, and so can Anna Diarmas. So she's only a holographic light. character. You they're, can't even touch her, and she's like, and they're very both human. yearning for each other. They have those emotions of need, and like they want each other. Which it, like, so you're right. That's really interesting because those are very human traits. Uh, but she doesn't behave. She doesn't have to behave like a real person. She doesn't have to behave like a real human being. So she doesn't represent any sort of even a replicant. You know. But she's programmed to be. Yeah, a she's artificial companion, intelligence. Right? So it's we're seeing she it still has feelings. So, so we're and, seeing yeah. replicants who are artificial humans acting like humans but we're also seeing human creations in ai just straight up who aren't even close to human also being human and is she a celebrity of some kind that he no she's just a model you can buy her at any corner store not corner store at any any, uh best buy like at any wallace mart you know ten thousand other dudes could be sleeping with their version of her yeah Okay. You could turn the like accent way up or way down. I mean, I, that, all that stuff felt great. It was was interesting and really well done and beautiful. And and the scenes with Mackenzie Davis, uh, where she's brought in, and and you have like a human that overlay form that you overlay your hologram onto. That, that was really cool. I like that, that is that incredible. Scene. That is honestly incredible. I feel like that is that is a like haunting the hand, like all those amazing, hands. amazing. That is a that is a tender, amazing love story on its own. That's another movie that I want Denny Villeneuve to make next or something. Or and yet but, here but we it, are saying we could cut this whole thing from the movie. Well, I honestly don't know what it adds to the plot about the it, it replicants. Doesn't, it doesn't really add anything. No, it's, liter- it's, literally nothing. Wait, I don't, again, no, I don't you disagree know with here having... We go. That's okay. what Denny Villeneuve... It, this is world building. This is atmosphere building. It does. A large percentage of this movie is just here to create Although an amazing we, mood. This, this we need does her as add. a sounding board for sure for, for Ryan Gosling's character. Kay needs someone to talk to you about all this shit because he doesn't have anybody. Yeah. So we need that information. But so if, they, if they, the he could have had a... If he had a regular replicant girlfriend, it wouldn't have made a... We wouldn't be talking about this. It's because she's a hologram. But she's in it because if the question is if your memories determine who you are, because he could go to the store and buy another one, right? It does, he he. It's not like she's precious in that sense, but 
the memories that he ends up he deletes the memories from the motherboard and then he's o- she's only on the stick and then her memories are what's important right like he can't go to the store and buy her memories so it adds to that question True. of who what determines who you are again it's, all of this is just we are on such a tangent sidetrack in this movie going down this road that doesn't take us to the ending and and, and joy she doesn't even make it it's so, so painful when she gets crunched it, it is pretty rough yeah her skull gets crushed is what it feels like um but she like she doesn't really have anything to do with like you're talking about these theme. memories i'm talking about theme but you're guys talking about yeah, main plot. and, and yeah. this this main thread of the narrative leads back to this toy, and and she even knows about it, right? She knows that Kay has this the details toy all about it horse with the same date that's inscribed on the dead tree. So now we start having an awesome. Who has the memory of the toy horse? This is brilliant, I think, because this is almost like a nice little clever callback to the origami uh, unicorn. In, in a different way. So instead of it, like, in, instead of the, this little MacGuffin symbolizing that you may be a replicant, this time around it actually symbolizes like you may be a human. Or, at or least you may the be very, part. the most special replicant ever. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, you don't have a, the same a plot. code on your... Exactly. What are they, what are they looking at? It's like at? the Matrix where the people who are born in Zion and don't have a port on their body, yeah, it's, right? It's exactly that. What are they zooming into? Like, just your... Is it you're stamped on, like, your... They zoom in so tight to find the, like, code on yeah. your... Yeah. Yeah, why would they everywhere? print it so it's deep? Like everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he finds that scale on the floor in the original, right? And he has it scanned. Yeah, the little snake skin and stuff. Yeah. Um... It's lizard. Yeah, so in- instead of the toy horse symbolizing that the protagonist's memories are false, the toy horse represents that the memories are real. In and a that's way. That's why she cries. Um I actually called that at the beginning. What? Uh the so, the, the holographic cry? No, the so the there's I don't know I don't know if I want to give that if we've already given that away. We're already in spoilers. Okay, so when Harrison Ford, like, does find out, does get to connect with his daughter... You're talking about the very end of the movie? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's not where we... Well, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I... As soon as uh, Ryan Gosling is is talking to the... Jumping uh, ahead, folks. (laughs) Well, it's early when he... Is it... When does he talk to the... I'm talking... Creator. I'm I'm talking about... Halfway through? we're, we're, We're finding out now that... um he may believe that he is Rachel's son or daughter, right? He, in in oh, his yeah. dis- okay, he's in his first... discoveries, he's he's looking through that computer screen, and he's finding out that there's these twins, which I don't I don't really understand. Were there twins or not? Or is this this is just a nice little rabbit hole to lead Agent K down? Or is it just it's a not, coincidence? It's not meant for Agent K. We find out later, like. When Harrison Ford, there's this big cover up that the replicants do with Harrison Ford's help. So when he's saying we scrambled the records, they created two paths. So they hid the replicant uh, with the same birthday and same DNA as another person uh, who doesn't actually exist. So that was a way to throw people off of the trail. And it just so happens that Gosling thinks, Agent K, hey, maybe <laughs> I am I'm the other twin. Yeah, there's a male and a female. And it's, I could be. it's ambiguous which one is fake at that point. 
Because he's like, there's only one person here. When he sees it, like, two people can't have the same DNA, is what he says. Yeah. Um, So one of these people isn't real. And and so at that point... What that has a... Could have a double meaning. This is a nice little gray area in the plot, I think, that is intentionally fuzzy. And I, I like what might get filled in here with fan theories. I think it's pretty clear, You though. think so? I mean, yeah, I guess, because one of the characters says later... They, they, they straight up we say... All, we all wish that we were the other twin yeah, or yeah. whatever we were, yeah. Well, they, yeah, not the other, the, the real one. The, the one, yeah. Because they, they created... We all wish that we were Neo, basically. We want to be Neo. Um, they faked another person. You are born in Zion. This is when Kay tracks down Dr. Steline, I think is her name. Who is Bubble Boy? So which she is Jake she, Gyllenhaal's finest movie. She, yeah, she's the greatest memory maker in the world. All the best memories are hers. Kate gets arrested shortly after he went when he's discovered going to this place, just going to this facility. There's like a, a ton of cops dispatched. Is considered. Oh, wh- why is this replicant going to this memory facility? I guess it's kind of a red flag, right? He shouldn't be going there. This is where his well, his see, memories was, were made. There's actually a bit of a misdirect here because this is weird. When he's met weird. with the um, prostitute, yeah. uh, she, she slips something in his pocket, and you're like, "What's that about?" And so when the police show up chasing um, Kay, you think, "Oh, she was some kind of agent." Um, now, what we do find out is a little bit different than that, but. I'm still actually curious about how the police came to find well, out that he was going there. They can track they know Agent exactly, They know exactly where he is. Agent K is a robot. This is one of the clumsy things that I have an issue with in the film, uh, is the tracking and the way things are, are edited well, and two shot. Pe- two people are tracking, right? There's the, 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 the resistance people who Mackenzie Davis, the prostitute, works for. She, out, she yeah. slips a tracking device in his jeans. He also has a tracking device like in his brain. Like inside Maybe. of his head, Maybe. yes, that we are not ever explicitly told about, and that's and here's the the issue I have. I'm going to jump ahead a little here. We see that tracking device get put in his jacket, and then Wallace Co. Crazy Lady shows up uh, when he's out with Harrison Ford later. But then Mackenzie shows up again. Mackenzie Davis's character shows up again with the other people and removes that tracker. This is not explained well because she they find Wallace Co finds him from the police station but that's not really clear because the only tracking device we ever see is from this resistance so it actually clumsily makes it look like they're working together mm. and that that tracking num- uh, it could have worked used. for her it could have worked for the police or it could have worked for Wallace well so it it muddles things in a way i yeah. don't think was intentional because it actually made me go what the fuck like are you kidding me? And that took me out of the film a little bit mm. until I, I I thought about it a little more. So, okay, maybe, oh, I guess there's another way to track him. And that's why she was at the police station. His car, but I guess, in is the moment, car. in the moment. It no, makes... no, no. They tracked, they, they, um, they tracked Joy because Joy is a product of Wallace Corp. So they know where Joy, the hologram, they, they can track her. No, the antenna was broken. Um, Oh yeah, she he went sna- offline. He snapped it in half. Yeah, when he snaps it in half, that's when she gets up out off her desk and is like, "Mission time." Yeah, exactly. So I did, I had the impression when that uh, tracker was taken out and Mackenzie Davis was there, I honestly thought that she because we didn't know about this resistance group yet. 
I thought she was working with Wallace and co. And that's how they ended up finding him. And it was just like, when you go back and examine it, the way it's put together in the film, if it was made ambiguous on purpose, I think that's a little sloppy because it takes you out of the flow of the story a little bit. That is my Mm. biggest concern. I, I, I have some issues with this, this memory maker and the, the, the plot does get a bit muddled right around here. I don't know. I liked her. I didn't like the, the worry stone camera floating things. Those were weird. Yeah. Everything about Jared Leto was weird. They croak as they float around. Jared Leto's weird. Um, but we, we do get, Kay gets suspended. He has 48 hours to get the fuck out. He lies to the LAPD, says, I've completed my mission. I, I, you have I, I, failed. I, I killed the, yeah. the child. You and have hid all evidence. Unfortunately, you failed the Voight-Comp test. You're suspended, Agent K. You did not say cells interlinked quick enough, and you didn't say interlinked. You're not, you're not even close to baseline. Yeah, you didn't say interlinked when we wanted you to say interlinked. And you didn't say cell. Yeah. Uh, so Vegas is... Fucking awesome. This this is my favorite part of the movie, at least on a visual level, I would say. This is like a dry run for Dune, perhaps, is what I'm getting here. Oh, like the washed out, sandy look. Like that is exactly what Dune is going to look yeah, like. Yeah, I'm excited Except for that. Dune will have way less porno statues. Yeah, with big like holes in their mouth. That's like AI, remember? The uh, weird sex rouge city from AI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, think that these things were like fountains or were they just... What are the? No, I think it was just an art installation. Mm. What are those bees? Yeah, that's a weird. Not the bees. What are they? What are they surviving off of, though? I think it's. um, They're not real. They're Wallace bees. Yeah, they they might be synthetic, or I think it's just evidence that maybe there can be some survivability in this area. I, I love this or whole I, sequence with just gliding through this empty dead landscape and we're, we we float into the hotel and how sort of beautifully eerie and orange and this actually when uh, this is Roger Deakins unleashed, right? This is just him fucking losing his yeah, mind yeah, at this point to do whatever he wants. I really liked the start of this sequence uh, using the uh, where's the word the probe, not the probe, the, the drone drones, the drone. Those that, are so awesome. When he was going by and changing the the lenses, that actually looked like a a model to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like they might have maybe, shot. Maybe they did on a little model stage with a tiny. Because the, the way the old... camera was moving over it, like it, it was a great throwback. If they did, because it looked great. It it did and... look like an old little shitty model. Yeah, yeah. with video like VCR they footage. It. They use like a VHS camera, um, and I, that yeah. that stands out for me because nothing else looked like a model. This did. So was a like, lot okay. was in camera, from what I understand. Roger Deakins completely unchained and unleashed the nightclub scene is just him just like having an orgasm on camera (laughs) right we're witnessing it in slow motion with all of the amazing laser lights and like why would you have that in the movie if not to just delight and dazzle and have a light show with elvis music and it reminded me a little bit of the sequence from Skyfall. You remember when the sniper scene where mm, yeah, that was really Daniel good. Craig is just inside of this sweet looking glass condo with advertisements running around him and all it just looks awesome. That's that's all. That's all it is. It's just sweet reflections and shit. Yeah, well, it's all about the lighting. Again, like he picked up on all these cues from the first one. All the light there's so many times in the original and in this movie where light looks as though it is or 
It looks as though it is being reflected off the surface of water that's sort of everything's rip, rip, wet rippling and water. shitty. Uh, and, but but there's no water in these rooms. I mean, in the in the in Wallace's office, that, obviously that makes sense. There's yeah. tons of uh, of water, but in other rooms where there's no water, just the light coming in the windows is reflecting <sighs> off of. Yeah, that's Deacons mainly plays with light, and he just sets his camera up. Like it's ninety percent of your job's done for you. Um, now, closing this out, Harrison Ford's possibly best performance of his career is in. Blade Runner 2049. Would you guys... Um, is that, is that, is that far I, to say? I feel yeah. like I haven't seen enough of all of, well, yeah, of his movies. I think it's... Ma- I, like This is a backhanded compliment. I think he's kind of a lousy actor in a lot of ways. Definitely better than Air Force One. <laughs> Get off uh, my plane. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's genuinely incredible in this movie. Um, and, and there's like a lot of humanity in his performance. And it, it feels like Harrison Ford actually gives a shit about this character. He wanted to... Han Solo, I don't feel like he cared. Indiana Jones, not really there for it. This feels important to Harrison Ford. Well, every, for time, every time he's talked about this script, he's said it was great. Like, that's the reason he did it, is because it made sense. It was fantastic. That's why he came back. So, I agree. He's really into yeah, yeah. the you justice could... that was done to that character. I think so much of why this movie is great is the love for the original that everyone involved shared and and, and what everyone wanted to see yeah. happen again um the there's the, the ambush leads us to sort of the, the finale here with uh K getting taken to this replicant freedom movement and then basically getting the information delivered to him that he is not the you know the son of yeah you thought Rachel. you were the 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 special yeah, person. We, we, we know not special. We know who it is. Don't worry about it. See, they're this, safe. This was interesting. I had some mixed emotions in this scene because it actually fixed an issue I had earlier in the film, which was the reveal of the horse at the orphanage. That was such an immense moment that was so downplayed that I thought they missed. Like I was like, Denis, what are you doing? You're missing the mark here. This is yeah. This is a huge reveal. Why? Why is it happening now? What's going on? And the fact that it wasn't actually a reveal later made more sense, but it like that bugged me that something so significant was so downplayed. Well, it 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 is, but it's also this is this is the same person who's giving the memories to everybody, right? She's creating them. It's well, I don't no, know, all of this no, is that so... makes sense. I mean, I was pissed off at when he found the horse. Yeah. Like that's was is because if he's actually that person then it should be this huge epic moment in the film but it happens so quickly and to so little fanfare that i i it, it took me out of it a little i was like what I the fuck i did not have that experience at the moment that he was holding that horse my brain was leaking out of my yeah. ears and i was trying to scoop well, it back up and shove it back in so i could keep watching yeah, the movie anytime i'm looking at a movie or watching a movie and i see the scene and say you know what i think it would be better if it was this this or this then I think something's gone wrong. Mm. Okay. Um, but that's why I'm saying this This scene fixed it for me because it turns out it wasn't that yeah. big a deal. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it might have, have been just an implanted memory like everything else. But it would have the same emotional impact because it's a real memory and real memories get, are good because you have the same real feelings. Fuck. Right, but it, like it, the rise and fall of the film, like that 
this was incongruent to the way the film was progressing when the original discovery of the horse happened. That's that was my criticism of it. It just seems so out of place. But now, in retrospect, since we've reached this part of the story, it actually makes sense within the flow of the film. It just on my initial watch, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, "What this does? What?" Oh, okay. Another another right. another thing that kind of works that way, like in a weird retcon kind of way, is when. Wallace reveals to Deckard that perhaps Terrell had invited you to his headquarters all those years ago only to meet Rachel. And only knew already you'd fall in love with her. She was so fucking smoking hot that you two were going to be a match. Essentially, just ex machina situation, right? Like just full on ex machina, like manipulation of desire in order to test the limits of of what you've created and and to test the limits of humanity and what can pass for, for a believable human. Uh, I, I thought that was a nice little way of, of maybe twisting the original and, and making act. Deckard question some things that maybe it's not true. Maybe it is, but it's, yeah. it's a cool little perspective on the first movie. Well, and a question here I have about that, that interaction as well. Do you think the CG Rachel, um, I did not think she was had, really good. Well, I think it was a different actress, right? The effects were okay, but did that actually need to happen? Like, the effects were only okay, but that didn't really have much significance in that that scene. Yeah, that was dumb, actually. That was actually dumb. I I just want to blow her brains out. Again, I think this is another... It's, like, thematic, right? It's to show that even though that would be exactly the same as the old, as Rachel that he knew she doesn't share the same memories and he doesn't share any memories with that version of her. So she's worthless. So, and the, the film opens with the eyes. The film opens with the green eye opening, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. I do love the idea that torture is legal off in the off world colonies. So, hey, let's just take Deckard up to the off world colonies. Ever the fuck we want up there. Yeah. We'll teach you a pain. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And let it let no Blade Runner film be made where we actually go to the off world colonies. Please don't ever, ever show us that. Right. That's what I imagine Roche Limit is. But there's, for me, there's, I don't no, ever, there's no point with I don't, the themes of the story. Exactly. To go. I want uh, Blade Runner is all about what's like this off world colony idea has to be off screen as well I, I don't ever want to see any of that shit so like it's also blade runner is done right like are we i don't i don't unless denny villeneuve and i'd like Roger to th- Deacons... i'd like to think it's done but my wish list here if it's not is that we are in the, the third one takes place in the aftermath of the civil war what okay like after the uprising yeah yeah, yeah. well i think they so want to franchise keep it this, ambiguous though? somehow like we we find out that uh um they're reproducing, but we don't know if it's with humans or with replicants. They, so the they, lines just there blur is, more and more. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of places they could go. Honestly, um, the f- the finale I thought worked. I didn't like the very final scene at the Stellene Laboratory. I thought it didn't work at all. But the final battle with the sort of chase scene in, the in water this, the, that was a great and the fight in, in the tides as it's rising that. I didn't know it, where we. I I figured that was the final scene, but I didn't know. 
and it worked for me as like a climax, I guess. Because the movie's sort of calm, so it doesn't have to go. It's a different thing. We don't have wild. We don't have the monologue of the tears and rain and our our villain coming to terms with we, we don't ha- we, we don't have any of that, right? The villain is this she's a badass bitch with She's a yeah, cool cool killer. cool glasses that she can control. I really like with. her character. Uh yeah, I, I thought that the final scene worked only in, in enough to be just a final battle scene. But the where 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 I kind of fell off the table was when we end in this laboratory and are we supposed to is there supposed to be a lot of weight in this final scene with Harrison Ford and his daughter? Because I didn't feel much at all. I, I, am I a monster? He puts his hand on the glass and it is revealed to Harrison. Your daughter is this creator of memories. I don't think it's supposed to be the emotional punch. I think it's supposed to leave that. It's right before that emotional punch would hit you, right? Like they haven't started talking. It looks like It lands maybe, with a thud, right? Maybe he's about to... St- like his lip will quiver or something or his voice would crack when he spoke but like it just leaves that unexplored which is probably because that's not part of this story why is she the person who's the best memory creator I don't think because she's using her real ones to try and find her family well, what? no, I don't know. No, I think it ends <laughs> in an interesting way, and it's again, this is open for interpretation, just like the original. Is she actually immune compromised, meaning that the first replicant child is actually not fit yes. for survival? This is an ambiguity, or is she just there hiding in plain sight? Like, I found this very interesting yeah, to think about. It's a good way to keep her in one place if you lie to her about it. And yeah. so, Jared, like Wallace. Jared Leto does not know. He doesn't know. This is one of his most important employees, like arguably the most important employee of his entire company. Well, and she's unrecognizable as for Wallace, like who, the memory who, implant maker. Who who is implanting these memories in their in their? Yeah, she is. He the, doesn't use those though. He uses the ones that obey the bald. The well, no, bald no, no. She, she's the prime subcontractor for Wallace. Like she creates most of the memories. Yeah. Um, she's the most important person who works. But she in the doesn't. Company. She doesn't have an ID, so she's human. So, like, he would never know that she's a replicant because no one ever would, unless they knew. You can't tell for because sure. she has no numbers on here's, her DNA. Here's where I find some. We're going to end on this. Uh, uh, also, she kind of looks like Rachel after you know who she is. Yeah, but we end on this final scene where perhaps Agent K dies on the steps. Perhaps he doesn't. He's lying out in the snow as it's gently falling on him. And then we cut to Deckard entering this facility with Dr. Staline or whatever. She is creating a snowfall at that particular moment. So the memory she's creating, I, I'm, I don't know if it's a leap to say that she's creating the memory that we're watching at that moment for, for Agent K. No, how would that be implanted? I don't know. I don't know, but to me, it's a very deliberate cut. Why is she? Why? What is happening with that cut of from the snowfall to her creating a memory that is basically exactly what we just cut from? Memory to so like a, a life ending and memories coming to a close and uh, to me, life beginning and memories know. beginning. This adds a, a layer I, of I don't know, reaching the, the the fact that the memory maker is. Also, the person we've been looking for this whole time, hiding in plain sight, I, I think there's a lot more to that than we're really 
we're really considering here. The, the fact that all of the memories that are getting created are, are being made by her. Yeah. And, 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 and is that affecting what we're seeing in any way? I don't know. I, I'm not sure how much there is to discuss on that because I think yeah. a lot of that would boil down to it's just a dream, which is stupid. Because if she's making all the memories that we're seeing right now, then it's all just her coming up with a fantasy that we're watching, right? Like, I, I, how would... Yeah. If, if she's... Yeah. She, the snow simply could be... She knows it's snowing outside but can't see it, so she wants to to see the snow. Um, I just it think is there's too a, much of a coincidence. There's a lot more going on with, with what she's doing than I think. I, I, wa- I want to rewatch this movie immediately. Um, I'm Unfortunately, I can't give it a 9 out of 10, though, for some reason i'm not going that far uh so it's an eight and a half from scotty it's a good looking movie it does suffer from some issues though i don't even see the guy the issues that you guys do but i'm still hesitant to give it a nine but i kind of think i'm gonna give it a nine i i really want to give it a nine and i hope that one day i will i just did join Mm. me join me yeah, no, I think I'm going with a nine as well. I think I might have to as well. I'm yes, going with a nine. Go vertical. It's definitely not more than that. I don't know if, like, the original Blade Runner, the first time I watched it, I wasn't super sold on it. I was too young to be uh, yeah. down yeah. with well, it. Well, I think that's exactly what it was. This needs I, a lot I still don't think of the original. I still don't think the original is super great. It's got a lot. It has a lot of significance, and you can't. It's impossible to look at it anymore without that. Well, all the warts that are on that one are on this one too. Yeah, but it, it's definitely like I would say eight, eight and a half, probably. Like it's. I don't think the original's a nine. Oh yeah, I'd give it like an eight. Yeah. Hmm. So this it, is a better because there's. So some, I think yeah. this might be a better movie. It might be. I love Den- Denny Villeneuve. I'm a definite bias on this one. Wow, guys, that was our epic review of. Blade Runner 2049. Go see it if you haven't already, and let us know what you think at verticalviewing at gmail.com. If you agree or disagree, let us know. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of high praise. Um, You know, we... But how high? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Don't watch the movie How High. That's bad. No, you definitely don't (laughs) want to do that. Um, Where can we find you guys on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jared underscore Sargent. Check still, it out. I'm still on Twitter at Michael R. Lynn, but I think I'm going to transition over insta- into Instagram. That just makes more sense for what I'm going to be doing. Oh, so, nice. Uh, nice. We'll see what happens next more week. More active in the arts. Yep. Cool. I, Can't, I'm wait. On Can't wait. Twitter at Scott Wilson BC. It's funny. Follow him. Uh, yeah, it's real good stuff. You can follow the show at Vertical Viewing. Uh, go to verticalviewing.com. Click on the donate button. Please help us out if you it's can. It's a little yellow donate button. It's cool. We appreciate it. Uh, that'll help us keep the lights on. That'll help us offset the cost of seeing movies putting on the show. Yeah. Slicing out a little bit of internet pie and shoving it in your ear. Oh, man. Patreon.com slash verticalviewing. Join the ranks of all of our patrons there. Check out some free stuff to see if you want to become yeah. a hydrogen, helium, or lithium level subscriber. It starts at a dollar per month. Uh, Don't re- you hate it when androids just restart? Just his phone reboots. Um, we we had a letter from Craig. I forgot to read it, unfortunately, off the top of the show. But uh, my phone is restarting. We can we can get to Craig's letter next week? He yeah, we'll do that. Mentioned uh, that he'd seen Mother and he had some comments on the movie that I actually strongly agree with. Oh, Craig. Cool, cool. Uh, but yes, go to Patreon.com. Go to. Uh, iTunes, give us a five star rating, please. Yeah, wherever you're listening to the show, please rate us highly. It helps us 
Get to the new and noteworthy page. Helps us get new listeners. Tell your friends. It's really tight. Tell your coworkers. Tell, and, uh, tell everybody. Yeah. Scream it from the rooftops. Get vertical. Keep so, it there. Uh, there. There is a film that we're reviewing next week, and it stars Jackie Chan, and it's called The Foreigner, and, and he's going to be kicking some serious ass, and mainly Pierce, some- Pierce Brosnan's... But Irish ass is going to get handed to him. Do you think he's going to do some like emotional weightlifting in this as well? I, I, think, I hope so because he, he was good. Try? He was good in the karate kung fu, karate kid. I'm uh, hoping that uh, we're getting, you know, a Liam Neeson kind of situation with Jackie Chan. It seems like like it, right? this is ta- his taken. That's our review. That's our show. What are your final thoughts? Final thoughts on Blade Runner. There were so many things like moving in a vertical direction in this movie, so we're not going to do that, but whatever. (laughs) 